Welcome to Millennial Murmurs, a podcast addressing millennial career questions, queries, and curiosities to help them navigate the jungle of the modern working world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast on the topic of long-term career planning. I'm your host, Nathan Peer, and today my guest is Alex Aristides. Alex is currently a paralegal at Farrow & Co. and is a future trainee solicitor at Hogan Lovells. Also, just a note, all views are his own. Alex, welcome. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you for having me. No worries. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Excited to be here. I feel famous. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, absolutely. Um, I'm good. I'm good. How's uh, how's work been for you during COVID and, and everything like that? It sounds like you've been pretty busy. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know any difference, to be honest. I, uh, I've started my first full-time role in law during COVID. Um, uh-huh. So um, I can't really tell you much about the differences between life in the office and life at home. All I know yeah. is life at home. But um, it's been pretty busy the last few weeks. Uh, but I guess busy is good. But I yeah, mean, absolutely. I'm watching Netflix all day. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, so look, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, so I'd love to hear and just start a bit about your background and career so far. Tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Alex Aristides. I am 23. I think I actually might be 24 when the podcast launches. So <laughs> on the I'll border. 23 for now. Sounds much yeah. better. <laughs> uh, and I'm from London. Uh, in terms of my career, like a lot of lawyers, I did a degree in history, um, shock, <laughs> um, at UCL and graduated in 2018. And then being from London and going to university in London, I sort of felt like I, I wanted to see more of the, the world beyond like the M25. Right. Uh, so I found a job all the way out in Hong Kong as a gap tutor, so like a teacher, football coach at an international school. And I worked there for a year between 2018 and 2019. And I came back to London late 2019 and started the GDL January 2020. Then after many, many, many applications was finally offered a training, co- training contract um, at Hogan Levels, as, as you said, um, to begin all the way in spring 2023. Fantastic. Um, so, currently working as a paralegal at Farrow and Co in the contentious trust team. Nice. Um, for then. Great. Good. So what was it that made you decide law? You know, I know it's well trodden for history graduates. Um yeah. but after that time in Hong Kong, what what made you switch to to doing the GDL and stuff? Uh because I watch suits. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's, that's what you can't say in interviews, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely true. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. We're inspired um, by Megan. Yeah, yeah. No, Lewis Lit. Actually, everyone, you know, my family said I'm like Lewis Lit because I love cats, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that comparison. <laughs> I was hoping for more of the Harvey or or Mike Ross, uh, but no, I, I'm just kidding. I mean, for a long time, I wasn't actually sure what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I guess that's, that's partly the reason why I took a gap year and, and worked in Hong Kong after graduating to sort of give myself that buffer period in which to to make a decision. Uh, and I don't really come from a professional background at all. And I, I remember yeah. growing up and hearing different jobs like lawyer, consultant, or say head of marketing or things like that. And to be honest, I didn't really understand what these meant beyond the job title or beyond what I might have seen on Suits, for example. 
yeah i mean i was conscious of that and so i sought out first-hand experiences in a range of industries during the summers of my university degree but then it wasn't until i had an experience working at a law firm out in hong kong that i realized a career in law was right for me i mean i said that i wasn't sure what i wanted to do but what i've always been sure of is what sort of qualities i'd want from a job so i mean i asked myself the question over and over again alex what what's going to get you out of bed tomorrow next week what's going to get you out of bed in 20 years time and to me the answer to that is the promise of a job that's intellectually stimulating, that's varied, that's impactful, and where I'd be working alongside really talented peers to achieve great results. And from my experiences so far of of law, that's what has has drawn me to that to that career. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think that's it's so brave. I think to take a gap year after uni, and it's something I always actually wish I'd done sometimes um but then you always think well I wouldn't I wouldn't have had the journey I had if I if I hadn't kind of thing and I did a year abroad and I just kind of was was ready to you know I did my DDL and then wanted to to work for a bit um you know it was it was during the recession and that that's how I kind of fell into recruiting but it kind of it you know I believe things work out for a reason and um you know it's been a really great fit for me and I think that same as you like I had no idea what things what what kind of career titles meant or what even what things were I remember just you know these experiences of having like I was I was had an interview um organized you know as I'd got my job yep. at MLA uh, like in with like a, a barrister's marketing department and like I I didn't do the interview and it's always funny thinking like I wonder what if it, I'd gone down that path how it would have been what could it be um yeah, and it's it's just funny how these things all work out, and you know all those experiences, like you said, in your gap year doing that internship um, at a law firm in Hong Kong, and how you just can't plan for these things sometimes. And as much as you try, I think it's all about your experiences that are the things that shape you and shape your career. And you know, every I guess everything's always going to work out in some way or another. And you've got to, I think, as you get older, you get through that confidence. That's how you know we've got ten years between us, right? And I think that's that's how I, you know, have grown like personally over those years is you get more self-assured, I guess, that that things are going to work out. Um, and I'm curious, you know, how, as you look, to, look ahead, like being a trainee, how do you think being a paralegal, um, you know, is preparing you for practice? Like, do you, do you feel like you're going to go in hitting the ground running? Um, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, absolutely. But like, you know, we were just talking before this, right, about just a silly thing about how how short emails get as you you know get mm. more advanced in your career and I remember you know at the start I'd, I'd spent ages like reading over an email make sure I had it right and now I'm just like n best n <laughs> like just yeah, getting I know out how um <laughs> I sort of had know. to shorten them because it was on client time billing billing client time <laughs> 35 minutes for a one word email one line email <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, how like how has it prepared you? I guess what what experience yeah. you have you? I guess it's hard to say, but but what do you think? I mean, I've only been working as a paralegal for just over two months now, um, mm. but already I think it's been preparing me in many ways for my future role at Hogan Lovells as a trainee solicitor. And I mean that both in terms of the work that I'm actually doing at the moment, and also as you were saying, in terms of sort of being in an office or a virtual office environment and all of the sort of social and office etiquette that you you pick up. 
Um, I mean, one of the reasons why I chose the paralegal at Farah is because I'm working in a really small, really lean team. I'm one yeah. of only five or six people working across six or seven different matters at any given time. And as a result of that, and sort of to borrow, borrow the, the legal cliche, I'm getting a huge amount of exposure to responsibility, <laughs> <laughs> which I know everyone talks about, but it's really yeah. true uh, in the role that I'm at at the moment. Um, yeah. And so in conjunction with sort of the typical admin paralegal tasks, such as sort of saving inter-partes correspondence, producing, circulating bundles of documents for counsel and for disclosure purposes, I'm also being given the opportunity to sort of draft letters, like letters of service, written resolutions of shareholders and directors, letters to other firms. Um, and I'm also doing sort of things you would consider typical trainee tasks. So drafting uh, attendance notes um, and have been lucky enough to actually help on drafting an editorial for trust and trustees journal um, all in the space of a couple, a couple of months. So I think those are the sorts of things that I'll be doing as a trainee at Hogan Lovells in a couple of years time. So yeah. I'm really glad to have had the opportunity to experience this already at Farrow's and hopefully hit the ground running in a couple of years. But then secondly, just learning how to conduct myself properly in an office environment particularly how, as I was saying before, I don't really come from a professional background. So learning the etiquette of a workplace environment, learning how to email, learning sort of chains of command in law firms. Um, I think that, that those soft skills have been really important for me to learn. And I'm yeah. sure after a year, a year's time when I finish at Farrow's, I'll, I'll have picked up so much more. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's funny that transition from, kind of academic life into professional life and how there's kind of no guide for that and I think you sort of realize that in some way or another everyone's kind of winging it right and you're just trying to get through the day and do the right thing and not not mess something up majorly um but it but it is a strange experience to go through I think you um yeah you you just kind of you, you just see that growth so quickly that you just can't prepare for but I do think kind of being in it you know in that in the deep end, I guess, is is the best way to learn. But it must be equally hard. I mean, doing it remotely as well, um, you know, you, you you miss out on so much. Yeah, the after-work drinks, right? <laughs> yeah, the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but all of that comes with with like teamwork and mm. and building relationships and the things that are that are much harder in a, in a, a sort of remote environment. Yeah. Um, and how like how do you feel about all of that? You know how has that changed over the pandemic? I mean, at the start, you know, certainly for me um, and our industry, we just thought everything was going to freeze and it mm. did, but then it very quickly thawed and, you know, law firms are now, you know, crazy busy in, in all sorts of areas. But what what has your experience been like in that? You know, how did you feel at the start of it and how has it changed for you? I appreciate, you know, you've only been through a couple of months, but what's it been like? I mean, as I was saying, I don't, I don't really know any different. Um, it seems to be really busy. Um, and as, as you were saying before about being in the office and, and all that sort of social aspect of it, I think that's what I'm missing, even though I've never had that, I'm missing the element of that because I, mm -hmm. I know that's what I'll enjoy most about, about a role um, yeah. in the office, working on matters with really smart people and and bouncing ideas off each other. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean, in terms of the pandemic itself, at the start, I felt 
like many people, those feelings of uncertainty and worry, especially for from my grandparents and older people. Um, luckily, I was I was doing GDL at the time, and as I'm sure you're aware, it's quite an intensive course. Um, yeah. which was actually a really good distraction for me throughout the early stages of the pandemic. Um, I think I probably did better on the GDL as I like turned into an absolute geek for about a year, completely lost <laughs> myself in 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 a GDL because I literally had nothing better to do. Um, but I guess as the pandemic has gone on, um, I'm becoming a bit more agitated to get back to normality, if you, if you might want to call it that. Um, yes. Especially someone who's sort of quite extroverted and likes talking to people. Um, so that's what I'm looking most forward to, um, returning to the office and meeting all the people that I've been working with for two months um, in person, which is a bit strange. I, I've never met anyone, don't know how tall they are, for example. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I never thought about, actually. Yeah, I guess um, you, you know, I've never thought about that, but now I'm going to think about it every time I like virtually meet someone. I'm six foot four, Nathan. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't expect that, right? No, I'm, I'm, no, just, no. I'm, I'm 5'11". I thought, I don't know, I just presumed you'd be average height. I'm just yeah, I'm going to go into a rabbit hole thinking about this for sure. I'm, I'm not really six foot four. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, you never know, would you? <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, Okay, so when when you know all of the stuff you've done so far, and especially with like overseas and gap years, mm-hmm. what what steps you know have you taken actively to plan your career? I guess you know what would you tell yourself five years ago from now, knowing what you know now, um, yeah. type thing. Hmm. I mean, as I was saying earlier, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do as a career until relatively recently. So mm. I mean, before that. I found it quite hard to plan um, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But luckily enough, actually, I was playing, you played for an adult football team and that introduced me to a couple of really kind people establishing their careers about eight or or nine, ten years older than me. And through them, I was able to do a couple of internships in different industries during my university summers. And then after deciding on a career in law, um, everything I've done since then has been focused towards that goal. So whether that be yeah. attending open days, the countless virtual events, legal cheek, et cetera, engaging yeah. with articles on The Economist, um, completing open access internships on on Forage, all of those things I've done to sort of learn more about the industry, about different firms, about different practice areas. So in that sense, I guess I was planning and I have been planning for my career in the future by taking care of, of what I know in the present. Mm-hmm. And I guess I've, I've also been quite proactive in messaging people like you, Nathan, just to yeah. expand my network and to test the waters about potentially moving abroad as an associate when the time comes, because I, I really enjoyed the experience of of living and working in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what I would tell myself five years ago as a fresher at university would be probably to make more of the extensive opportunities for networking at university, especially in, in your first year. For example, by applying to one of the or more of the insight days that law firms put on, or even in yeah. industries, because there are so many of these opportunities and they're a really good way to learn more at an early stage about what career best suits you. Or alternatively, if you're already set on a career, they're equally a, a great way of getting a foot in the door somewhere and a head start on what's a really, really competitive application process. So I guess that's the yeah. one thing that I would tell myself um, as an 18 year old me. <laughs> no that's nice that's good and I think it's a lot of what you say there resonates again like I think you 
you know, we we the connections can be so random and then grow into things that you don't know. And I I always think people want to help each other in some way, right? And I think that um, you know, I, I hope my advice was helpful when when you're asking about longer term career things and you helped me, you know, doing this. And I, I think people, you know, people like working with people. I think that's ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, what, what any kind of business is. Um and and it's just taking those small those small steps, um, you know, in everything that you do, and and trying something new, whether it's each day or week or month or whatever, and that's how you'll end up doing all of these these things, just nudging towards it and kind of having a an overarching vision. And I think it's again just like how you have that shared experience with so many people. Um, you never, yeah, you never know who who you meet and how how things will pan out for them and and how you can lean on to those things. Um, and I think that's nice. I think that's that's good. I think if you always sort of stay humble and positive, I think that's, that's going to take you a long way. Um, okay, so I want to talk a bit now. I remember uh, we weren't sure on this, you know, if you, you fit into millennial Gen Z, and I think you sort of straddle both. Um, and, you know, definitely... Yeah, definitely cool and I. I can't quite figure out TikToks. That, that I think I'm at that age now where I never thought that would happen, where I don't fully get a piece of technology and it, it kind of bothers me. But, um, you know, how, how's so remote work right? been? <laughs> yeah. How's remote work been? How's, how, is, how have you had that experience, um, you know, in the workplace in that? Because mm. I think, you know, you must, I certainly see differences between generation and how they work and how's that been for you? It's been, I mean, as I was saying before, it's kind of all I've I've ever known, to be honest. And actually, on, yeah. on your on your millennial Gen Z point, is it Gen Z or Gen Z? I know I'm English. I should probably say Gen Z, but Gen Z sounds like it rolls off the tongue a much much better. I, well, it's because um, we did a survey, and and um, <laughs> you know, we're an American company, and I'm just used to Z. I yeah. my language also is really messed up because I spent two years in the US, so I can't spell, I can't speak, I can't do anything. <laughs> Well, I wasn't. I didn't want to say anything, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awkward, but yeah, no. <laughs> well, I've got a TikTok account, um, but I wouldn't dare post anything on that TikTok account. So, I <laughs> okay. guess I'm a, a hybrid of millennial Gen Z, um, <laughs> and as a hybrid millennial Gen Z, I've completed two virtual vacation schemes and have now been working as a paralegal virtually for over two months, just over two months, and. I mean, in terms of my virtual vacation schemes that I did, um, I had quite a different experience on mm. my first and second scheme. And I found that the second scheme, i.e. the scheme that allowed us as candidates to get involved, even virtually in real client matters, was something that I learned a great deal more from. And I appreciated a lot more um, mm. because I felt like I was, and this is something that was shared by the other candidates, I was being welcomed into the firm a whole lot more than my first scheme where we were just doing manufactured tasks created for the scheme itself. Um, yeah. And then in terms of working as a paralegal at Farrah's, it's, it's really helped having another paralegal in, in my team who sadly uh, has left about a couple of weeks ago. But um, before that, Dan, who was in my team as a paralegal, um, him and I instantly connected and got on with each other, even virtually. And uh, don't tell Farrah's this, but we we sometimes would have just like, you know, 10 to 15 minute catch ups during the day, sort of chatting <laughs> about everything, anything, nonsense. So yeah. I guess that replicates in some way how you might stop and talk to someone in a real life office environment. Right. Um, so, yeah. 
in fact, Dan and I actually do this, used to do this thing um, called our weekly word exchange on every Monday morning at 9.30, where we tell each other a word that we've organically come across during the week through whether it be like reading or listening to a podcast or watching TV, a word that we found interesting. And then we turned it into competition. So if I told Dan a word that, and then he knew that word, he'd get a, he'd get a point and vice versa. And then we also spice it up by giving each other extra points if we use that that word of the week in a, in a group meeting at some point during that week. So uh, <laughs> um, that's good. That's a, yeah. that's like a smart way on the the work. <laughs> I do enjoy that word game sometimes. Um, yeah. Where I've had similar experience where you like try and get this word in in a in a conference call or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's I guess yeah. it's that's the lightness that you get virtually that you just you just can't really do yeah um in any other way right because you like you say normally it's like chatting in the kitchen or whatever or going to get coffee like miss all of those things of those those abilities to just kind of have a break and you know we've all been just kind of working in with your laptop in a room the entire time um absolutely and um it's pretty glum to potentially go through an entire working day without talking to another human um which is sort of the reason why I enjoyed having those conversations with Dan and and have those conversations virtually with with others in my team as well throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. Sure. No, it it definitely it's nice that you like found that connection, especially again like when it was was virtual. I think that's great. Um, and so, what do you, I mean, what do you like if someone says, you know, if someone would say, Alex, you're in charge of you know, how we're going to integrate flexibility in the workplace coming back. You know, what would you do? What do you hope? Oh, I'm not managing a partner yet. <laughs> give, me, give me 15, give me 20 years or something. <laughs> you can do it in 10. No, no, I think generally the, the legal industry is sort of seen as quite resistant to change. And it's an industry that maybe seeks to preserve the status quo for as long as it possibly can. And isn't necessarily early adopting early adopters of, of new technology, etc. Uh, but I think what the pandemic has done is thrust upon law firms an unplanned, unprecedented trial of flexible working. And I mean, when you look at numbers and profits, it seems to have largely worked in that sense. So yeah. I'd hope as a result, law firms and the managing partners who, or whoever makes the decisions at law firms have now realized that work can be done and to the same excellent standards uh, without the need for a, sort of a FaceTime culture and being sort of seen in the office at all times. So. I'd hope going forward that there would be more scope for flexibility. And I think I think there will be. I mean, probably to borrow a phrase I, I heard, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Uh, but on the other hand, I also hope that law firms realise that sort of the full-time remote working system that we, we're doing, we're, we're part of at the moment, isn't necessarily an ideal situation for employees, um, mental health, creativity-wise, um, regardless of whether sort of profits may be increasing. So um, sitting on the fence, I'd like a flex, more flexible working patterns than, than before the pandemic, pre, pre-COVID in the before mm. times, um, but more office work than is currently um, the case. So happy meeting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I guess that, that leads on to as well I mean I think at the start of the pandemic you know I certainly thought this was going to be two weeks 
hey, I'll work from home, it'll be nice, I'll relax, yeah. like, you know, we'll get go back to be open soon and it'll be a nice, like, mini break. Um, and then here we are, like, a year later and, like, several life changes. But is there anything, I guess, that you... I think you've touched on it already with with those those things, but anything negative that comes with remote working that you you hadn't considered before the pandemic. So I guess in my mind, I was thought remote working be very easy and sort of the ultimate lifestyle choice. But actually, I want a hybrid. Um, and I just wondered if you had had any kind of sort of come to light moments like that as well. Yeah, um, I think two things spring to mind actually. Um, one of which is the importance of micro disruptions to creativity and to sort of the general motivation. And then secondly, sort of feelings of guilt for taking time away from my screen and not being plugged into work at all times, which I find quite difficult and was something that I hadn't really considered before the pandemic. So I guess starting with the first one about the micro disruptions, which actually is something that I, um, I read in an article that you wrote for Forbes one year on, I think it was called, one year on, do millennials miss the office anymore? And I really agreed with your your point in, in that article about the lack of micro disruptions to a daily routine being a negative or having a negative impact on creativity. And so, for example, not being able to walk a different route between the station and the office, not being able to grab a, an unplanned coffee with a colleague or not being able to sort of instantly solve small problems without the barriers of a virtual office. Um, that's something that I've come across and was, was thinking about before I read your article. I think it, it was published a couple of weeks ago. Um, and to me, those micro disruptions, I didn't realize were as important as they are in terms of general motivations because the banalities of having the same routine every day walk from my bedroom to my spare room stay mm. in my spare room for 10 hours and then go back to my bedroom it's start starts to ever away at you and your motivation especially for someone who, who like me is probably more of an extrovert and thrives on and is energized by those human interactions yeah. so i guess in, in that way i hadn't considered how important those sort of little interactions and alterations and routine are for me um and yeah. then also I just feel really guilty, even though I'm, I'm allowed an hour lunch break during the middle of the day. I, I can count on, on on my on my hand how many times I've I've taken the flower. Um, yeah, and it's not because the firm is really mean and makes me work twenty four seven. That's not the case at all. It's just sort of intrinsically, I can't really disconnect um, from my laptop screen even during lunchtime if I'm at home. And yeah, um, it's sort of like that phrase that I, I read the other the other week or whenever it was. Um, we're not working from home, but we're living at work, which I felt, <laughs> I felt quite encapsulate how I felt or how I feel sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's really striking to me right now. I'm like yeah. Damn. Sort of st struck by that. I think <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's it just speaks to all of that. I think it's the same. It, there's just this weird that you you're like oh I'll take a you know I'll have my lunch quickly and then you just think well if I get these bits done maybe I'll finish earlier you never finish earlier yeah, exactly yeah. you I, I feel like you end up working more and yeah. um and it's you're grateful to be busy and to have you know a job and everything like that but it's 
it is it's tiring and you don't have those moments of just trying to trying to clear up a you know small issue or give feedback and it's it sounds you're trying to email it and it sounds aggressive it's a call it sounds too formal and it's just like oh can you just you know change the way you do this or whatever mm-hmm. um and yeah even those things I talked about like going to the station sometimes you would just see something that would inspire you or just make you think about something that you just you just sort of become this work bee um and that's where I kind of yeah had that moment where it's like this is you know kind of depressing in some ways that this is the, the remote working dream isn't a dream and it's not all you want to do um and you need that that kind of hybrid mix so but yeah the living at work thing that's going to stay with me now as well um, You're gonna use that <laughs> yeah absolutely I'm going to think about it like every day um cool well thank you for the, you know those are my questions on on that and I you know always have space for you to ask me a couple of things um so I'd love to chat about them but uh yeah tell me tell me what you want to know Hmm. What is the number one piece of advice that you'd give to trainee lawyers or someone like me, a paralegal who's a future trainee lawyer who are considering or maybe just potentially considering moving abroad upon qualification? Because I know your your main job is at um, MLA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people ask me this and they ask me it too late when they're you know kind of like a senior litigator um or in something like tax and it's really hard to do um i think the best the best advice i would give if you really want to want to do this is is to go into a transactional practice that's very broad so something like corporate or finance that travels well mm-hmm. um and just really be in that mindset and think you know who is going to hire me and why are they going to and you can have all the credentials in the world, which is fantastic. And that obviously goes to it. But if you've already got people on the ground doing it, you know, there's, there's no need to, to bring somebody from overseas. If there's extensive visa issues, there's no need to bring somebody from overseas. Um, and, you know, always try and put your sort of long-term self in that hiring manager's shoes um, of where are we going to need need people. The reality is, you know, over the years that corporate and finance in the law firm world have always been practice areas that remain busy, that remain strong and adapt. And in my view, there will always be opportunity to move to another geography if you have that skill set, because there will be a time when you are in demand because you can make that move from a visa perspective. You have a skill set that's in demand. And that gives you a lot of opportunity. And so I think it's just being aware of that. And a lot of people, and I get it, because I think when work's such a big part of your life, you know, people will choose a practice area they they really love, which is great. And it's important to do that. But it's also, if, you, if you've got an overarching goal, you need yeah. to really manage that and think, okay, if I'm going to do this, what is my rough plan to get there? And it doesn't matter if that changes, but looking at what's there already it you know as you said before the legal industry doesn't doesn't change much right and so you can see these patterns already exist and so if you can identify that and stick to it that's how you're going to to make those things in the future and that's the same it's not necessarily just moving abroad um the same for going in-house or um you know moving to a different practice area or whatever it is um 
the paths are usually pretty well trodden that you can can see and understand the patterns there um, very early on and what you need to do to get there. Transactional travels best. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> what, what if what if you because uh, I, I I'm not sure where I want to qualify into. What if um, I started training at, at Hogan levels and really enjoyed contentious seats, um, but at the same time really wanted to travel as well and work abroad as as an associate? How would you reconcile that? Would you recommend? Going with with the practice area you enjoy more, or going with the the area that will allow you to pursue your your aim of, of traveling and, and working whilst traveling. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the great thing, obviously, about a firm like Hogan Novels is that they've got offices everywhere, right? And and so you know there could be opportunity internally, and I I think again being open about that and saying, hey, if these things come up. I'm always interested in hearing about it. Um, you know, that that can always be a good way to facilitate different moves internally. And that, that's been my experience. I've always been lucky to, to work in MLA's different offices and have those experiences and work for a company that supports that. Um, and in my mind, that, my mind, that's a great thing. And that's a great move for people to make because, you know, there's a lot of comfort there and an investment on both sides. I think in that situation you're you're sort of talking about I, again. I think you've you, these things is also you just can't overthink because life will change so much, right? And that's such a such a cliche. You've got to kind of go with with what's good for you at the time and what what you kind of feel in your gut. And I think if if you really loved litigation and you're like this is all I can see myself doing, then you've got to do it because you yeah. you know it, again obviously you know there is opportunity say in markets like Hong Kong and uh, Australia and different markets you can still move as a litigator um but if you really want to you know have a big career overseas and work in lots of different places or something like that um you know the, the easiest route is it's just following the money um yeah. you know where are firms making all of their money and adding growth in their practices and it's it's largely not all the time but it's 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 largely in transactional practices mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Nathan. I have one more question. Sure, go for it. Um, so sticking with the millennial Gen, Gen Z theme, um, obviously as managing director of MLA, one of the most reputable legal recruitment companies in the world, and also as a Forbes contributor, focusing on millennials in the workplace, how would you say, if at all, you've changed your approach when dealing with a newly emerging set of Gen Z clients, which I, I may fall into or may not, we haven't decided, have you noticed any differences between what your millennial clients and what your Gen Z clients are seeking from their workplace environments? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's really interesting. I think it's a really interesting. I mean, I think with the, you know, the people I, I deal with who are, are millennials like me, I, you know, proud millennial here. But, um, you know, I think I think you find a lot of synergy um you know in views and and experiences and and connectivity and that's not you don't find that with other generations that's part of you know i'm I'm always interested to think about intergenerational um you know work culture and and connections as well um but i think what i see you know more and more with gen z as well is uh, and we've done surveys on this is, is there's this huge focus on sort of for the good and for causes and 
you know, deep, deep focus on firm culture. And I think that's only going to be something that is going to get stronger. And I think, you know, from a firm's perspective, it's important for them to, um, you know, engage in that and think about their future partnership and what they will, what will they they want to to do and focus on. You know, if you look at sectors like energy, things like renewables um, are becoming increasingly common, important, um, you know, government jobs are, are becoming interesting because there's a view of stability there. Um, and I think for that generation, you know, particularly there's been so much change. I mean, you know, same for millennials, but there's COVID on top and this really sort of turbulent time um, that I think has just created this, this want for stability, want for training, want for mentorship, want for a better world. Um, you know, and I think that that feeds into what we see culturally, um, you know, and in the news. And that's really where I see the biggest change. And and I think you've got to kind of have your finger on the pulse for that for the longer term, because I think that's what, you know, again, coming back to connectivity between people is really what drives businesses. I think that's that's important to foster and 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 develop. Agreed. Sorry if you don't like <laughs> bells in the background. No, I didn't. It's all good. <laughs> Um, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time, Alex, and taking time to, to join the podcast today. Um, best of luck uh, with the uh, you know with the rest of the pandemic and getting back to the office and then future training contract. And uh, we wish you very best. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Nathan. It's been a pleasure to to be here. To be here. To be here. To be here. Thank you for listening to Millennial Murmurs. Join us next time as we help you take steps to better navigate your legal career.